You're listening to a DM podcast. I have no special technique on on doing scary things. I just do my best to navigate new things. Just think positive and, and reassure yourself that things will be okay, even if the situation seems dire. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Mr. A+. Today's guest is an outstanding woman who is a journalist, author, and an advocate for mental health and autism. I met her recently at events for Autism Awareness Week, which happened in Australia on the last week of March. She has three sons and has achieved some remarkable accomplishments. Now, let's all give a warm welcome to my new friend, Jarabi. Hello, new friend, Michael. Hello, so nice to talk to you again. Likewise, it's a pleasure. We had the best weekend, didn't we? It was the best. We certainly did. <laughs> We're going to get to that. We're going to reveal all the hot goss in a moment. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love that. First off, how are you doing and your family? We're really well. Uh, it's almost school holidays and I have two boys and then a little girl. But she did live as a boy for a year, so the genders get very confused in this household. So my three children, teenagers, are on school holidays soon, so they're getting ready to wind down and rest. That's wonderful. Are they... Um what, what grade are they in? So Philip, who's 19 and he's ASD1 with some mental health complexities, he is doing university from home, uh, doing very well at university, getting high distinctions after being told by schools that he was useless. Um, my little boy, Giovanni, is 15 and he's in a support unit at school. He's in year nine and he's doing okay, but he doesn't really get the point of school. It doesn't make any sense to him. He's mm. very good at bits of it and he doesn't understand the other parts. Yeah. And um, my daughter is uh, 13. She's in year eight and she's currently going through the diagnostic process for ASD1 and ADHD, plus she's a teenage girl. So it's a very complicated year for her. Yeah, I understand. The f my first year of high school was not enjoyable for me either. Mm, it's difficult. It was hell. What was it like? Why was it harder than primary school? Because the maths was more complicated. There was more assignments, more exams, more work or homework. Mm. And my parents became stricter. But also I feel like parents get pressured by others who don't know our family circumstances to do all these things like be strict and get homework done without any real understanding of what our children actually need. So we think we're being yeah. good parents by being strict. But then we realise, you know, years later when some damage is done that it was the wrong thing to do, that you needed to yeah. rest. Some parents are kind of misguided. Yeah. And it's scary too because when you have children with additional needs, you aren't an expert. You're not no. a psychologist. You don't know what you're doing. You're just guessing. So you just try to... Yeah do your best and mistakes are made and I've made plenty of mistakes with my kids too. Of course. When you talk, just told me that your second son, what's his name again? Giovanni. He, Giovanni. I named him after my dad. Good Italian name, Giovanni. Nice. <laughs> um, I actually do agree with, with your son on his thoughts on, on high school because I actually noticed something in recent years. High school doesn't really prepare you for life. All it does is prepare you for university. 
Exactly. I but mean, not everybody and- wants to go to university. I never did. And the weird thing is that school, like high school and your final exam result will get you into university, but it doesn't teach you critical thinking. It doesn't teach you to focus on what you're good at. It's and Whereas at university, you have to think critically, you have to focus on what you're good at. So it's also like super different from high school. So in my opinion, yeah. high school is a mess for kids and doesn't prepare them for anything. I know it doesn't. In fact, I hated high school. What year did you get to in high school? Year 12, because my dad said every boss wants the HSC. And actually, funnily enough, you don't need high marks to get into uni anymore either. So Philip, who's 19, we didn't know he was autistic until um, he was 14 and start, and got really mentally unwell. He started self-harming, ended up in psychiatric wards. And I just kept saying to them, I don't understand what's happening. And they said, we think he's autistic. And I was like, no, 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 I've got one of those at home. I know what that's like. And they said, no, isn't he like, don't you notice he's like really rigid in his thinking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah. So that was when I realised how differently autistic people can present. So he ended up yeah. having to homeschool. Then he did school, high school online with Sydney Distance Education. But he was so sick. I did most of the work for him. He did maths and science and I did every other subject. He barely passed year 10. Then he had a gap year. And then I ended up emailing my uni, Macquarie Uni, saying, I've got this hyper smart, amazing child at home who didn't get his HSC. He would love to study IT. Is there any way he can do it? And they said, there's a pathway through Open Universities Australia, where if he does the four core subject of any degree he wants and gets a credit or above, he gets into that degree. So parents of autistic children, you do not need the final year exams. You can pull them out in year 10, give them a couple of years of recovery, and they can do this pathway and get into any degree they want. So the pressure is off. Well, I actually also then noticed something else. As you um, get into your early 20s, the bosses don't seem to really care much about the HSC anymore. They just care about people who just go in and do the job. 100%. Like there's certain careers like being a doctor or a vet where you have to have it. But most careers, you can sort of build that up in different ways. Yeah, of course. And the other thing is the reason why my dad gave me that old school advice of every boss wanting the HSC is because my dad has a very 1980s mentality. But you've really found a really good path for yourself. You've got lots of great pieces of careers and it forms this amazing life for you. Yes. And I don't have any regrets Exactly. And you've got so much also to look forward to in the future. Nothing's done. There's still heaps of stuff we can look forward yeah, to, right? Of course. Because how many different and careers do you have? You've got podcasting and acting. Yes. I've also worked in two kitchen manufacturers and in two fruit markets in my late teenage years. Oh, so you know a little bit about fruit and choosing the perfect rock melon or cantaloupe, whatever you call it. I can I never get it right. I don't choose rock melons. I try to smell them, I pick them up, and it's always either too ripe or not ripe enough. Okay. (laughs) So you can't help me with that then? Not really. (laughs) It's okay. I'm on my own. (laughs) Mm. And anyway, um, can you tell us a bit about your sons? I mean, your your three kids? Yes. So, so Philip's doing the university pathway. He um, has just finished the final core subject and he will be admitted into RMIT. I think he's chosen, but we'll, that'll all be confirmed later this year. Then Giovanni is in a support unit in year nine and he probably will go through to year 12 only because I don't really have 
an alternative for him. So Philip's really good at self-learning. He's really good at finding courses online and he's good at teaching himself different coding languages and he's Mm. really good at that. Whereas Giovanni is ASD too. So he still has a lot of, you know, shutdowns and he still is really difficult to motivate to do things. It still takes a lot to sort of get him out of the house. And even if I get him out of the house, it's challenging to get him out of the car, Um, even if it's for something that he says he wants to do, because he just has such intense sensory issues. So for example, he recently started doing art class outside of school and we drove there for three weeks before he could get out of the car. Then it took another few weeks for him to pick up the pencil. But I've realised that's sort of his process Um, so he'll tell me he wants to do something we'll talk about it for a few weeks it'll take him a few weeks to get out of the car then actually do it but it's okay you know I've got to realize there's no rush and with Giovanni he really needs to sort of take his time to get used to new situations and then my little girl she um, we're getting her diagnosed at the moment you know female autism presents so differently to male autism and I had suspected she was because in year six she said mum I'm trans and I went oh Okay. Um, she wanted to be a boy. She named herself Kai. I bought her the boys' school uniform. Off we went. And I just thought, okay, I can do this. I can be the parent of a trans child. And then I was Googling what to do and I read how there's a really high incidence of autistic children thinking they're trans and sometimes they are and sometimes they are not. They just don't conform to mm. traditional you know, roles of male and female. And so the best advice I was given, let her live as a boy for a year. If she still wants to be a boy, then do medical stuff. And so we did that and she sort of snapped out of it after eight months. And after that, she became a different friend and then a different friend. And that's when I realised, oh, she's actually mimicking their entire lives, their wardrobe, the way they speak. And it's a very autistic thing. And so that's when my partner Seamus and I sort of chatted about it because Seamus is autistic as well. And he's like, yeah, she 100% is. And so I found a therapist for her and she's on board with the process. And yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. That's really impressive. Mm, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. But they, you know, yeah. it's just what they need. Your second son seems like he has a f- long way to go. Yeah, look, he's the one that, I mean, I worry about each of them for different reasons. And when you're a parent, you just worry, worry, worry. And then when you add, you know, additional needs, it's even worse, especially because the world is can be so hostile. And that's why I enjoy meeting people like you, because you really, and spending the weekend with you and doing the conference, watching how you negotiate and navigate everything has given me a lot of hope that I can teach them to have these lives where they fly off to a different state and attend work events and make friends and meet people. So you've really sort of given me a lot of hope for my kids. I have? You have. You really have. And, yeah, I really thank you for that, for putting yourself out there so that parents like me who are can't see, you know, how our kids are going to have independent lives look at you and go, well, yeah, they can because look at Michael. Well, I did my best and it was my pleasure (laughs) it was a really good weekend it was it was one of the best weekends i ever lived but i wish it could have continued for a little bit longer i know that was it was hard to go home because we traveled to melbourne for an autism awareness australia conference we got to meet a whole bunch of incredible people who already understand what our lives are like And then we sort of just go back to our real lives, you know, where there's lots of different challenges and people who don't quite understand. 
And yeah. yeah, it can be, it can get tiring, right? Yeah, I know. When you said to me that the war can be hostile, remember that? Yeah. Boring. I already knew that. <laughs> I know, I know. When you found out that, that your kids were on the autism spectrum, how did you feel? I mean, it was a really complicated time because I was married at the time to someone who I found it very difficult to co-parent with. He sort of would just run off and work and work and work and not listen. Um, he's And there's reasons for that. He had his own challenges. You know, we get along better now that we're divorced. <laughs> but um, I, I knew Giovanni was autistic from when he was a toddler. He would do certain things and there were certain behaviours I picked up on. There were a couple of cousins in the family who were autistic and I was sort of like, oh, look, this is going to be challenging for him and me, but I'm onto it. But we weren't able to diagnose him for years because my my ex-husband was a little bit hesitant to do that. So by the time Giovanni was diagnosed, he was seven and a lot of damage had been done. And it was, you know, a very frustrating time. But then I missed that Giovanni, that Philip was autistic. So there was a delay with him as well. So I just feel as though you know, it's scary being a parent because you don't know what to do for your kids. And I wish that there mm. were more teachers out there and doctors out there who yeah. met my kids and said, hey, Joe, you know, I think your mm. little boy is autistic. Why don't you get him assessed? If yeah. one person had said that to me, I would have done it. But instead, they just say stuff like, oh, no, no, he just likes to play on his own. Or I wouldn't worry. And I'm like, I'm not worried. I just want to know. You know, do you think my, do you think as a professional who's done degrees and is with him every day, do you think he might be autistic? Should I get him assessed? And they just sort of go, no, don't worry. And I'm like, that's not what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say don't worry and pat me on the head. Just say to me, hey, I've noticed some behaviours. Maybe get him assessed. We're here for you. That's all they had yeah. to say. That's all parents need to hear. Yeah, of course. In fact, my mother would have, would have, been, a, would have been an excellent selection to, to speak at the event. Yeah, exactly, because she's been through all of that, right? Yeah, it's amazing what these mothers can do. Yeah, Even we just have some, to trust ourselves. These mothers certainly have such powerful abilities. Yeah, exactly. Which I kind of find admirable. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it's mostly mums. It's dads too. But, I mean, to be honest, it's mostly mums. Like I've spent, yeah. you know, months in hospitals and there's some help from the dads, but someone's got to work and earn the money and then yeah, there's the mums. And- it's because traditionally it's the mother's job to – to raise the kids, nurture them, feed them, encourage them, support them. Yeah, just everything else. Like we do everything yeah. and there needs to be at least one very focused parent on the kids to pick yeah. up on these things. And luckily I'm a writer and yeah. I can write from anywhere. I can log in from anywhere. So I'm That's so true. privileged because I know plenty of special needs parents who have to clock into yeah. a nine-to-five job at a separate location and their lives are really, really difficult and they're the ones who need yeah. way more support. That's right. My next question was, why do you believe it's important to increase public awareness for autism? But I kind of feel like you've already answered that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I love to talk about that. It's so interesting because I feel like people are aware of the word autism, but they're not aware of what autism is and what it requires. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard of autism. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what it is. So, I mean, People still think autism is, you know, cognitive decline. They think that it's um, all sorts of severe things, that it's not. Autism can also be many wonderful things. It's complex and every autistic person is different, just like every neurotypical person is different. So I feel like we haven't 
properly educated the world as to what it means to be yeah. autistic and what the abilities and disabilities are. And until we get to that point, because I know a lot of people are saying, oh, look, we shouldn't say awareness, we should say acceptance. I'm like, well, no, we still need to do both. We need to focus on autism awareness and acceptance and then we need to have accommodations and then we just have, need to do the things. We yeah, need, of course. We need education to be redesigned. We need workplaces to be more open. We need people on the street to know what autism is yeah. and different ways it can represent because we're part of the human species too. We're here. We deserve yeah. what we need. We shouldn't have to beg for scraps. It's ridiculous. And I feel like just taking the the globe and shaking it, going, hey, we're here, you know, like we're all different. And you're mm. not normal and we're not abnormal. We're all just humans. Yeah, so of course. it's time to step up, meet us halfway. It's not just all about us saying what we need. It's about you asking what we need. Of course. In fact, even though I have Asperger's, I was able to hold down a full-time job for almost five years despite having a couple of close calls. Exactly. And now you're chasing your passion, you know, acting and podcasting. And, of course. You know, but you've suffered through so much to get to this point and yeah. it shouldn't be that way it should be uh, way more open and accommodating and i hope yeah, that that's what course. the future holds well i didn't always want to be a spokesperson for neurodivergent people but i've actually recently began to embrace it now why do you think people look to me as a role model well, you were on TV and so the second we're on TV, people sort of look to us as some sort of person who can guide them. It's just the way our culture works. So you were on Love on the Spectrum and, yeah. you know, you got that notoriety and people do look for beacons of hope. I think you've really become that. And because I write about autism and I do a little bit of TV, people also turn to me to speak about it as well as for a bit of encouragement. And I think the bottom line is that it's lonely to be the carer of, an, of a neurodiverse person or a disabled person and it can be lonely to be a disabled person. So they look to us and they feel less lonely. They feel like they know us. There's a familiarity with how, when people meet you and I saw it at the conference they feel like they know you or know enough about you. They know they can talk to you and approach you and talk yeah. about this thing that they're dealing with. And you've got this incredible life and, you know, you chat to them and make them feel better. I mean, it's you fill yeah. them with hope and I think that's why. I like to give people hope and to also inspire them. Exactly, because that's what everyone needs. And we're the only yeah. ones doing it right now, but hopefully everyone else joins us soon. Hope so. Because people on the spectrum need, really need to follow their guts and pursue their dreams instead of just abiding everybody else's wishes. Because what I don't sort of get, like, so I, you know, I know you, my partner Seamus is incredible. You know, Philip is so smart and so interesting to talk to. Giovanni has just a wicked sense of humor. And, Ooh. you know, and my daughter Kitty is just like, we just have the best conversations. And I feel like, Instead of tolerating us and accepting us and being aware of us, you know, there's enjoyment in knowing us. Like we're incredible people with interesting, you know, things to talk about. I don't want to leave this earth and have my children here with people just 
putting up with them and tolerating them and fulfilling their basic needs. I want people to look forward to seeing them, to enjoy conversations with them, to appreciate their senses of humours and personalities. There's yeah. so much richness. You know, I feel like sometimes aut- the, the word autism or disability is like this big brick wall that goes up between the neurotypical person and us. And it's like, no, this is just a human. Like Giovanni loves South Park. Philip is such a foodie. Kitty loves dancing and there's, there's, there's gifts to be shared, you know. Of like course. it's not about you just going, oh, I'm going to talk to the autistic person. It's like, hey, this person's awesome. You should get to know them. You'll have a great conversation. Yeah, of course. In fact, we all have our own special interests. I love your special interests. Like we had the best conversations. Like, I mean, I think animals is a really common theme with a lot of mm-hmm. autistic people because animals don't judge us, you know, no. like, and they're so cute and amazing. And yes, but then cartoons. So Giovanni watched South Park, but your cartoons are more the ones I watched when I was a kid. Such as? Such as, oh, well, all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, but I sort of go more to like Flintstones, whereas yours are sort of the more niche ones that I haven't heard of before. <laughs> then you probably haven't even heard of the Great Grape Ape Show. No, I haven't. See, I'm you know, just, as I in Great Ape. <laughs> See, I haven't. I remember wacky, I've heard of Wacky Races, but yeah. um, yeah, and Snagglepuss, which you did quite a bit at the weekend. But I haven't heard yes. of lots of the other ones. I feel like I need to catch up on YouTube or something. Yeah, you, you probably haven't even heard of Uckleberry Hound or Quick Draw McGraw or Ricochet Rabbit. I don't remember Ricochet Rabbit, but you know what's also interesting? A lot of the stuff. Like that's creative. So cartoons, movies, inventions, the phone, electricity, the internet, all invented by autistic people. And, mm. you know, it's so funny. The neurotypical world enjoys the fruits of our our brains and labour without yeah. realising where it's come from. I mean, and that's a bit of a newsflash for a lot of people mm. to look at the inventors who didn't wear shoes, yes. who were fixated on inventing and solving problems they're autistic Mm. newsflash we are everywhere and your life is enjoyable because of us Mm -hmm. since we um we've already mentioned the autism awareness events we um we we really got to talk about that um what were some of the, the highlights from the two events I mean, it was it was really interesting because I've been involved with Autism Awareness Australia since I Googled help my child has autism and a whole bunch of dumb stuff came up. And then all these parents of autistic kids said, hey, just go to Autism Awareness Australia. They're a really responsible source. And ever since then, they've really sort of helped to lift me up. And I got involved with them a few years later when I started writing and I'd reach out for interviews and some expert commentary. So we, we got to know each other really well. And um, I started, you know, attending these events. And this weekend, this time around, this Autism Awareness Australia Month, I hosted the events. So I used to be a speaker and just share my experience. But hosting the events was completely different because I had to intimately learn the stories of so many adults with autism and carers of autistic children. And it was such an incredible experience to sort of bring those stories to life on stage. And... I feel like you need to sort of have lived experience to be a helpful part of these events. And the people who came, as you saw, so many of them are at the beginning 
of the journey and they've had all that scary medical language thrown at them and they're so terrified and upset and I don't blame them for that because it's so scary and we were able to spend time with them after the events and say hey it's scary now but it's not always going to feel this way you're actually going to figure out how what your child needs and how to be their parent and you're actually going to enjoy the process eventually it's just scary for now that's the biggest thing I think that came out of the events for me and hopefully for those that attended and it's why it's so important that we share all of our stories remind me again how come I was chosen to be a speaker there because you just are an incredible advocate I think they've been wanting to ask somebody very inspiring who is someone who's known in the community as well so since you've been on love on the spectrum and you've got the podcast and you represent autism so well, you know, the feeling was that how great would it be if we had you as part of the event? And people came specifically to meet you. Like, I don't think you realise how many people bought tickets just because you were going to be there. And I know one person in particular who came along because they knew that you were going to be there. And that's another interesting story I think that you could share. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And who was that again? Um, I think her name is Mariana. Uh, And I actually just got her book, My Bork and Life. Um, She's autistic. She's an author. She came along to meet you. And I think that I can speak on behalf of both of us and say she's one of our new most favourite people. Wow. What did she say to you when she met you after the Melbourne event? She um, actually asked me if I could go on a date with her. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And... I met my partner at an Autism Awareness Australia event as well and I asked him out as well. And I don't know if you'd ever considered dating an autistic person and I know that a lot of people just tend to sort of group us up together automatically but I think you now know from spending time with her that it just cuts through a lot of that stuff, those hoops that you jump through in the beginning. You just understand each other immediately. Yeah, but we miss each other. But we can't let, but she and I can't let this, this distance stop us. So she asked you on a date and yes. then what happened? How was the date? It was actually very lovely. Um, the thing is I was having dinner with, with you guys mm-hmm. and I decided to invite her along and everybody else who organized the event was considered enough to give me and Mariana a table so we could have some privacy. And I remember we we led you to the venue and she was feeling a little bit cold at one stage. Yes. So I, um, that's right. So I lanterned my jacket so that she could keep warm. And it was so great when you guys had your own table. I wonder what the conversation was like between you. We were basically just asking questions about each other. And she told me that not only does she have high-functioning Asperger's like I do, but she was also born the same year as me in November. So that means she's a Scorpio and Pisces and Scorpio are highly compatible. <laughs> it's all about the star signs. I love that. And she's also got um, a Southern European background, which is Serbian. Amazing. And then you yeah. guys met up the next day as well, didn't you? We did, yes. And we were often holding hands. I saw that as well. I mean, it was so sweet. And even speaking to her, you know, she's so level-headed. She was like, you know, we've just met. Whether this is a friendship or a relationship, we'll see. But she was just so, you know, excited to get to know you better. Is that sort of where it stands now? Yeah, that's right. But but we've only known each other for only a few days. We Mm -hmm. still still have a lot to learn about each other and we still 
have time to spend together. Yeah, exactly. Because you were friends with someone in Perth, weren't you? And thinking about maybe moving there. Yeah, I did. But this person from Perth, um, she told me that we might be better as friends. And I've come to accept that's for the best. It's so interesting because I think that we meet people for a reason and we connect with them. And then after you have the connection, you know, the universe sort of lets you know whether you're meant to be friends or you're meant to be more. And I think it can feel a little bit disappointing sometimes, but then eventually you realise that's what it was meant to be. Yeah, of course. I'm actually relieved that things have worked out well. Yeah, so far, so good. And and in in terms of Melbourne, it's only... It's less than two hours by flight. Exactly. And you, you've got your, tra- your tram card, don't you? Yeah, I actually got a Mikey card. Ah, there you go. So you're practically a local. But you also have all the technology. You know, you can FaceTime whenever you like. Yeah, of course. And that helps. I mean, because you were on Love on the Spectrum, do you find a lot of people ask you for, like, dating advice and stuff? Yeah, some people do. But I just do my best to tell them what I, what I know. And you're still learning. I mean, even this new relationship, this new experience, you're probably learning yeah, different things. I also find Miriana to be quite beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she is actually. She's she's a stunning woman. She really is. And she's also very soft-spoken. What else do you like about her? She has a lovely accent too. And even though she d- doesn't walk as fast as me, she's able to walk a little more quickly when the situation calls for it, but that's not really important and the fact that she's authored a book is also intriguing. I know. Oh, I've, I've actually got it right here. I ordered it on how'd, Amazon. How did you get it so quickly? I ordered it Amazon. So you, I don't know, Amazon, it was there like in two days. So I'm going to read it and probably interview her as well because she's another, you know, um, autistic person with a really interesting story. And I'm all about sharing, you know, the stories of parents and carers and also giving hope. And so, you know, she, to me, is a success story like you, someone who's figuring wow. things out. And I, yes. you know, I can't wait to chat to her. She told me that even though she's not currently working at the moment, she is looking into doing hospitality work. She'd be so good at that because I think she's really personable and she's easy to talk to. I think she'd be great at that. I have a very good feeling about her. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that because I know one of your previous podcast episodes, you spoke to an astrologer who predicted that you were going to meet someone, didn't they? Yes, this, this month. That's great. And it happened. How do you feel about astrology now? That it really does work. <laughs> I think so. Also, to be honest, the distance kind of bugs me too. It's because sometimes I feel like saying, saying to the universe, why must you constantly interfere with my destiny? <laughs> and the universe is like, I know your destiny better than you do. You're going to understand this later. <laughs> but because Miriana and I are both on the spectrum, both water signs, both the same age and both Southern European we get each other. Exactly. I mean, it was such a gift to meet her. It was just, it was an awesome weekend yeah. already. And then that happened after our final event. It was so great to see. And also, um, I do have at least two more questions for you. Um, Perfect. Um, what are you most proud of regarding your achievements? Achievements. I suppose I'm glad that I have created a life in which we can all be ourselves. So, 
as soon as we moved into a new place, it became about me and my three children all being equally important and creating sort of a space in which we could be ourselves. Um, Our home is very much our safe space. It's when we walk out the front door that we tend to have most issues. But at home, we are happy, we have fun, we feel safe, we're accepted, we're understood. And I hope that my children are always able to maintain that sort of home for themselves. So I'm really proud that I'm able to have a job that pays the bills, that we can have this life. That's what I'm most proud of, I think. That's wonderful. But what about some of your achievements as a as a journalist and author? I had a decade of radio, a decade of writing. Now it's TV and writing. But I think my future is more of this advocacy work because my partner's autistic. My son is now an adult with autism. My other two kids are autistic. So I really feel like until the day I die with every breath remaining, I'm just going to be talking, not only just talking about autism, but saying, hey, why don't you have quiet spaces for workers? Why don't you hire more autistic people? Asking the questions with this job that I have where I can say, hey, I work for a big news service. Explain to me why you wouldn't just have some spaces for autistic people and why you wouldn't employ these incredibly smart people and why there aren't more university pathways. I can talk to the education department and say, why on earth do you think it's okay not to figure out how to teach my kids as well? And I can ask these questions in a way that isn't combative but i'm saying the solutions all exist so just do it just do it already because yeah. you've got all the information you've got all the procedures so it's just time to do it now yeah. and everyone will be keep, happy which need to keep which need to keep doing what we're already doing and do more and build on it exactly and as advocates i think you know this it gets tiring we do burn out like it took me a couple of days yeah. to recover from you know the weekend but just do it when you can and then when you need to rest just rest because you yeah, need to of sort of save up your energy for the next conversation because it is frustrating and annoying. I wish everyone knew how yeah, fun it was it to be, be autistic and no autistic people, but they don't. So we have yeah. to keep going until they know and hopefully one day they put us out of a job <laughs> when it comes to the advocacy. Okay. Those are all my questions that I have for you. Now, I believe it's time for you to ask me some questions. This is the Ask Mr. A Plus segment. Oh, fantastic. Because the question I've been asked a lot by parents is, you know, should I have my child diagnosed? Should I tell them they're autistic? Do you think that it's important that autistic children know that they're autistic and understand what it is? Yes, I do believe that that people should be diagnosed sooner than later because if their parents hide this fact, if they don't get diagnosed, they'll nobody will ever know. And if they find out later in life that their son, their sons or daughters could eventually ask their parents, why didn't you do this in, when I was a child? And then they'll be at a loss for words. And if they diagnose them as, as children, they'll have to tell them when, when the timing is right, but preferably in their teenage years, because they'll understand it better, better because when you're a kid, you're just a kid. You're still learning things. Yeah, I love that because I'm actually having Giovanni re-diagnosed because he was diagnosed when he was seven and apparently he needs an updated diagnosis for the education department. But I thought what a gift for him at 15 to go through the process and learn all about himself. I really love that answer, Michael. Thanks. Um, My other question for you is how do you do new things that are a bit scary? Because you do all these different things. You travel, you work, you take on new challenges. How How do you do that? How do I teach my kids to do that? 
there's no, I have no special technique on, on doing scary things. I just do my best to navigate new things. And because I just like to keep my faith up, just think positive and, and reassure yourself that things will be okay, even if the situation seems dire. Has that become easier as you've gotten older and had more experiences? Well, it has become easier as I get older, but I've had moments of self-doubt too. But as long as you have the right support system behind you, you'll be okay. And I think one more question is, what do you look for in a perfect partner? I mean, I've got a great partner now and I sort of, I know that for myself now, but when people ask you what they should look for in a good partner, what would you say? I'm not asking for a perfect partner because no partner is perfect. But some of the boxes that she has to tick are, she must come from a loving family with old school values that isn't dysfunctional. She must be a beautiful, loving woman with a pure heart. And she'll also have to be able to handle being the wife of a famous actor. <laughs> yep. The other thing is she also can't smoke or or take drugs or gamble or be an alcoholic. Those are all reasonable um, things to ask for. Yeah, I think so as well. And I also think that even if, you know, there are some challenges when you meet someone, you know, if you are good for each other, you can help each other figure some of that stuff out. Not the really big things, but I mean, my partner yeah. and I, when we met, we had a lot of stuff we were still recovering from, from bad marriages and stuff like that. And we did most yeah. of the work on ourselves to get better. And now we're sort of like tying up all the loose ends now that we have each other. So I really love that advice. It's super practical. Excellent. That's really impressive <laughs> at least you two have managed to let the water flow under the bridge now yeah and it's been such a surprise because I was perfectly happy to be alone forever I was never going to let anyone near my children you know if I couldn't figure it out with their dad I certainly didn't need some stranger coming into our lives and having to explain autism to them and then I met yeah. this you know amazing you know I told all my kids I met this really hot autistic guy at this event and my daughter said don't date him it'll ruin the friendship and then one day I just came home and I said I ruined the friendship <laughs> and um yeah it's been amazing just to have this perfect person because it's good um, for them as well yes of course but relationships don't don't ruin friendships it strengthens it <laughs> Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, he's he's honestly my best friend and because the boys are older, I feel like they've become friends to him and he's a new friend for them. I mean, he's going to see Super Mario with my 15-year-old tonight. Wonderful. And he and my Obviously other son. Too. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And my, he and my other son talk about IT endlessly and my daughter's having a little bit of trouble sort of bonding with him but I think she just needs yeah. a little more time because being a teenage girl is really difficult so I need to give yeah. her a bit of space to figure yeah, that out for herself all the space she needs yeah and she'll be okay yeah well Joe Joe thank you so much for coming on today's episode I really appreciate it and I believe that this episode will be quite influential to open people's eyes to more about hidden facts about autism I hope so. And I'm so excited that I met you. I mean, Seamus and I were talking about how incredible it's been to meet you. We just really admire you so much and we're, we feel you. really lucky to call you a friend. Thank you. I feel the same. <laughs> I consider you both part of my friendship circle now. Yep, same with us. Because my friendship circle consists of people of all ages. So excited to have you in our lives now. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I think you should really consider getting um, – 
Mariana to be a speaker at an autism awareness event. She'd be excellent. I cannot wait to read her book. I'm definitely going to interview her for an article. And I think she too, regardless of what happens with your budding relationship, will be you know, an, a part of our circle as well because we're excellent. all on the same page and we're all doing this incredible work. But I think that she would make a great girlfriend. I think so as well. Things are looking really good and I'm really excited to hear what happens. Thank you. I look forward to keeping you updated. And so once again, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.